0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: Jesus is not going to reveal to us more than we can bear. He knows our, our limitations. He knows our limits. And so he reveals things to us as we are able to receive them and as we are able to carry them. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that on the day you were born again, That on that same day, Jesus didn't just dump everything He wanted you to know in your lap, all at one time on your first day as a Christian.
0: In today's scripture passage, you'll hear how the disciples had a difficult time wrapping their minds around God's plan. They didn't understand why Jesus would need to die on the cross. In today's message, Pastor Dan will encourage you to search your heart. Are you like the disciples, questioning God's plan? The Lord is all knowing, all powerful, and loving. His plans for us are far greater than anything we can ever come up with on our own. Where is God guiding you today? Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John, chapter 16, for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: in John chapter 16, we made it to verse 12, where Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Well, remember where we are in the Gospel of John. This is the night of Jesus' arrest. In fact, here in John chapter 16, the disciples are on their way with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he'll be arrested. The the next day, he'll be crucified for the sins of the world. On this night, his final night with his disciples before the cross, Jesus speaks to them about the future ministry of the Holy Spirit. And by future, I mean after his ascension back to heaven. And he has a lot to say to them about the Holy Spirit. Uh, In fact, Jesus gave more details about the ministry of the Holy Spirit on this last night than at any other point in his ministry. After his ascension, the Holy Spirit becomes key in the life of the believer. So there's, there's this kind of transition taking place now where Jesus will ascend to heaven and he will send the Holy Spirit to the believers and... And now the Holy Spirit is what will be working in the lives of the believer to give us a victorious life. Uh, Just as kind of a review, back in chapter 14, remember Jesus explained to his disciples uh, that he will leave them and return to heaven. And the disciples were troubled uh, by this news. And Jesus told them they should not be troubled because he would not leave them, he said, as orphans in this world. He's not going to leave them on their own to just kind of fumble their way through life. He's going to send His Holy Spirit. God has not left us as orphans in this world. He hasn't left us to our own resources. He sent His Holy Spirit to us. It's not like Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected, and then said to the disciples, Okay, you take it from here, try to be good, and I'll see you in heaven. No, he, he sent His Holy Spirit. He sent His Holy Spirit. In fact, if you look back in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see, because, receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you Again, Jesus didn't say, okay, you, you take it from here. You're on your own. Good luck. I'll see you in heaven. Sadly, that's how a lot of Christians live their life, as if it's all up to them now. But yes, they have salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but now it's all up to them to live a victorious Christian life, and that's not what God intended. He says here in, in chapter 14, verse 16 and verse 17, that he has given us the Holy Spirit, as another helper. Four times on this night, this last night, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the helper. The helper. The word is also translated as the comforter, the counselor, and the advocate. These are all titles describing the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's the helper. He helps us. God knows we need help. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to be our helper. He's our comforter. We need comfort. He's our counselor. We need counseling. You all need counseling. So do I. We need someone to tell us what to do. We need someone to to show us the right way. He's the advocate. He advocates for us. He advocates with us. He's another helper. And remember we said this phrase, another helper, means the Holy Spirit is another helper just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. He's not different from Jesus. He's just like Jesus. He says in chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit abides with us. Forever. He abides with us forever. He's never going to leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He says, look at verse 17 again in chapter 14. At the end of the verse, he says, the Holy Spirit dwells with us and in us. And just think about that for a moment. It's so remarkable what Jesus says here about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, dwells in us, in every believer. We have God in us. We have God dwelling in us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you to help you and comfort you and counsel you and advocate with you. The Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that you are, Are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7, he said to his disciples, It's to your advantage that I depart, so the Holy Spirit can come. Because the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us now, with us all the time. It's an amazing thing for us to consider now, just the this close. Intimate relationship that we have with God now, where God dwells in us and with us. And understand too, that, that this ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus describes here in this upper room discourse in the Gospel of John, it's completely different from the ministry of the, Old Test- of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. This is something new that Jesus is describing. You know, we can kind of take it for granted. Yes, the Holy Spirit's with us. The Holy Spirit's in us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. But this is a whole new thing. This wasn't happening the way that it it does now. It wasn't happening in the Old Testament period. In the Old Testament period, the Holy Spirit didn't indwell every believer as the Holy Spirit does now. The Holy Spirit indwelt certain believers, particular believers, usually for a particular purpose, In a particular service, for example, in Numbers chapter 27, we see that the Holy Spirit was in Joshua to lead the nation of Israel. Once Moses passed off the scene, the Holy Spirit was in Joshua. The Holy Spirit wasn't in every one of the children of Israel. The Holy Spirit was in Joshua to equip him to lead the nation. In the book of Judges, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon Several of the judges, four judges in total, uh, judges like Samson and Gideon, Othniel. The Holy Spirit came upon them and empowered them to judge the nation, to lead the nation. Again, the Holy Spirit didn't come upon everyone of the children of Israel. In First Samuel chapter 10, verse 10, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon Saul to lead the nation as king. Then in chapter 16, the Holy Spirit departs from Saul Also in chapter 16, we read that the Holy Spirit came upon David and remained upon David. It says the Holy Spirit didn't depart from David. That's the way the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament period. The Holy Spirit would come upon a certain person or indwell certain people for a particular task or or job or service. The Holy Spirit would come upon someone and depart from that person like with Saul. It wasn't... Everyone, the Holy Spirit, wasn't poured out upon all flesh in the Old Testament. So now you come to the New Testament period and what Jesus is describing here. And this is, you know, this is the time that we live in. We live in the New Testament period. We live in the New Covenant period. And now the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. This is something new. This ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now in chapter 16 where we are today, it's it's still the same night and Jesus again speaks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit after his departure to heaven. And Jesus makes five statements in these verses that we're looking at today, five statements about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit will do in the believer and for the believer. Uh, He begins in verse 12 by saying, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them Now, Jesus still had many things he wanted to say to the disciples, but they could not bear them. The word bear there, it means to carry. It's the same word that's used back in chapter 10, verse 31, when the people picked up stones to stone Jesus to death. It means to carry or to pick up. And Jesus says here, you know, there are more things I want to tell you, there are more things I want to teach you, But you can't bear them right now. You can't pick them up. You can't carry them right now. They're too heavy for you. You can't handle them. You can't handle the truth right now, right?
0: Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more.
1: I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Now, there are two ways for us to consider what Jesus is saying here in verse 12. On one hand, this verse is comforting to us because it tells us Jesus is not going to reveal to us more than we can bear. He knows our, our limitations. He knows our limits. And so he reveals things to us as we are able to receive them and as we are able to carry them. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that on the day you were born again, that on that same day Jesus didn't just dump everything he wanted you to know in your lap, all at one time on your first day as a Christian? That would have been pretty overwhelming and probably scared off some of us, right? So he, he understands our limits, and so he's, he's, you know, he's understanding, he's patient, he's tender, and he reveals things to us over time As we grow in the Lord, as we mature, and as we can handle these things and handle this new information, and I'm grateful for that. And so on one hand, verse 12 is comforting, but on the other hand, this verse is also challenging, and it's also searching, because the reason here that Jesus did not reveal more to the disciples is because they were not handling what he already revealed to them. The reason he's got to hold back is because of them. And because they're not handling what he's already said. They couldn't bear the things he already said to them. When he told them he was going to Jerusalem, he's going to die on the cross, he's going to be resurrected, and he's going to ascend to heaven. If you look in verse 6, it says, their hearts were filled with sorrow at this news. This is the plan. This is the plan of of redemption for mankind. It's been the plan since before the foundation of the world and Jesus is now revealing this plan, this grand plan from God to them and they respond with sorrow-filled hearts. Remember the disciples thought that Jesus would overthrow the Roman Empire, establish his kingdom on earth, not return to heaven and so they're troubled at his words. They're troubled at God's plan. They don't like God's plan. It, it, it fills their heart with sorrow. Uh, in fact, back in chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus said to the disciples, If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to my Father. He Say, hey, This is a good thing. This has been the plan all along. This is good news. And their hearts are filled with sorrow. And they're troubled. They don't like it. And so they could not bear what he had said to them. And so now he's withholding saying more to them. And so verse 12 is a challenging verse. It's a challenging verse because verse 12 should cause us to search our own hearts. And verse 12 should make us wonder how many things has Jesus not said to me because I'm not handling the things he's already said to me as I should be? How many things has he said to me that I don't like? And, and maybe I, I don't receive it. or Maybe my attitude is wrong towards what he said. Or maybe my response is wrong to what he said. Or maybe I just flat out refuse to obey what God has said to me in his word. And Jesus is waiting on me so that he can reveal more to me. He's got all this more, more that he wants to show me, more that he wants to reveal to me, but, but I'm the one holding back here. I'm holding, holding up the show, because I don't like what he's already revealed to me. And so I wonder with verse 12, it's, it's challenging. Am I like the disciples here? Where I'm not, I'm not receiving appropriately what he's already said. And so now he's withholding. He says again in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. You're not bearing what I've already said to you. I'm not going to say more to you. Jesus says, I've got a lot of stuff I still want to tell you. But you're not not ready for it. However, verse 13, I love that word, however. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And I, I pointed this out before in a previous study, but it's worth pointing out again. Notice Jesus calls the Holy Spirit he, not it. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a force. It's not a power. It's not an you know, energy that we can command. And I emphasize that because there are some who treat the Holy Spirit like a force, that you can command, and the Holy Spirit will do what you tell it to do. The Holy Spirit will obey you. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit, understand this, this is how it works. The Holy Spirit uses us as we yield to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't yield to us, we yield to the Holy Spirit. It's the other way around. The Holy Spirit uses us as we yield to Him. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about walking in the Spirit. It talks about being led of the Spirit. It talks about living in the Spirit. All of those describe us submitting to the Spirit. Submitting to His will. Giving the Spirit control. That's, That's the nature of the relationship. It's not the other way around For I control the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit does my bidding for me. It's not a genie in a bottle. It's the Holy Spirit of God. He's the Holy Spirit of God. And as I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit can work through me. As I'm following in step, being led by the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit can work through me. Jesus said, there's a bunch of other stuff I want to tell you. You can't bear it right now. However, when the Holy Spirit has come, He will guide you into all truth. You should underline that word guide in your Bible. Jesus says here, and don't miss this, He says, the Holy Spirit will be your guide. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you on your own to figure it out. Once I leave, the Holy Spirit will be your guide. Now, show of hands, how many of you have ever traveled to a foreign country and hired a guide? Anybody? I'm not talking about a guide book. I mean, an actual person that you pay money and you hire to guide you around that country. Uh, earlier this summer, a group from us from church went to Israel, And then we went to the country of Jordan. We had a guide in Israel, Andre. uh, And then we had a different guide in Jordan. We had a Jordanian guide named Fadi that we hired to take us around. And the reason you hire a guide for a trip like that to a foreign country is because of the knowledge, the experience, the expertise, the care, and the security that they provide for you. In the country of Jordan, for example, everything's in Arabic. Every sign is in Arabic. All of the street signs are in Arabic. There are very few people in that country that we encountered that spoke English or spoke enough English that you really could communicate with them. I would not even attempt navigating the country of Jordan without a guide. Because you can't read a single sign. You would be hopelessly lost, scared, and frustrated if you tried to navigate a country like that without a guide. The guide you hire, that guide is a local, he is a native to that country, the guide speaks the language, they understand the culture, they know their way around, they know how to get places, The guide plans out your schedule each day for you, where you'll go, how long you'll stay at each location, uh, when you'll eat lunch, where you'll eat lunch, what you're going to eat for lunch, how much time you have for lunch. The guide handles everything for you. They do all the interpreting. They're the ones who check you into your hotel, so you don't have to try to check yourself into a hotel without speaking the language. If anything goes wrong on the trip, someone gets sick, the guide takes care of it. He knows what to do. He knows who to call. So when you're traveling in a foreign country with a guide, you can relax. You can sit back. You can enjoy the trip. And the funny thing is, when you're on a trip like that, most of the time, you have no idea where you are.
2: He asked me how I knew.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith, to set aside personal agendas, and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience Him fully, as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with christ is important you'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can be jesus's hands and feet to others are you part of a church if not we want to encourage you to find one soon if you're in the baltimore washington area you're invited to join us here at calvary chapel We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, you'll find them at calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I
2: recognize